Welcome back to the How Did You Get Here podcast, where we find out exactly how inspirational people got to where they are today. And don't forget to hit the like button and the subscribe button so you can see more of our content. On today's podcast, we have the incredibly successful director of Lightbox Digital Marketing Agency. This chap's got an insane amount of accolades to his name. So he's not just the director of the digital marketing agency Lightbox, but he is also the co-founder of Love Brum. He's also on the advisory board for the BPS and also um, TEDx and on top of that, English Schools Football Club. Plus, he's the director of Birmingham Law Society. And if that wasn't enough, he is also an ex-Big Brother contestant. <laughs> oh, no, you got that in. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a bit of a, bit of a mouthful. Um, not all of them are up to date. I'm not a director of the Birmingham Law Society anymore, but it was a great experience. Um, yeah, hello. Thank you for having me on. Not a pleasure. Thank you for coming. Not um, at all, not at all. Um, obviously, um, yeah, like I said you've got a wealth of experience in a lot of different things so yeah it's been a, it's been a journey it's been yeah. a journey i'm only 21 years old look how tired i look <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, you know what i think i think a lot of it is down to the fact that you know we talk about how did you get here um yeah i've been finding my feet for the last 10 years i think you know i've always been asked or very lucky to be asked to do things yeah um and i'm always willing to to help um i think moving forwards so i need to probably make sure that i'm doing the two or three things that make me really happy that, you know, pay the bills, obviously. Yeah. Um, and, and I think I've found that now with, with the, the likes of Lightbox and I'm still doing a lot of work with Love Brum yeah. and all my, all my other little bits and bobs that keep me, uh, keep me sort of agile around, you know, what, what's going on in the world, yeah. you know, learning new skills, all that sort of stuff. So, so I'm feeling very tired, but very blessed and very lucky with, uh, with my lot at the moment. I really am. That's amazing. Um, where did you? Where did it all start? Because obviously, you've done such a lot, and they're all so varied, um, but so kind of high achieving at the same time. Where did it kind of start? Where's your drive come from? Um, really interesting, actually. Um, I think I think that sort of rich fabric of things that I do um, comes from the fact that I didn't really ever know what I wanted to do. Um, so at school, I always thought I was going to be a footballer. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm talking about six stone ago, obviously. <laughs> um, but yeah, I went to a footballing school. I played at a very good standard. Um, I genuinely thought and was told that I was going to be a professional footballer. Uh, and when that didn't happen at 16, you know, I, I didn't really know what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I was predicted great, uh, straight A's. I'm a careers advisor as well. Why don't you be a lawyer? Now the chap in front of me in the careers advisory view, um, queue, He'd been told that he could be a deep sea diver. So I thought, hang on, law, law sounds all right. And that's yeah. genuine, by the way. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I've, there was a program on the telly at the time called Ali McBeal. And I thought law was all about dancing and having a, having a party basically. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I entertained law for, well, I was a lawyer for seven years. So I went to university to, to do law, went to law school to do my LPC and then I qualified uh, into a firm, quite a big firm in, in Birmingham mm-hmm. and then I practiced for three other big firms in Birmingham for for seven years but I just didn't enjoy it, just really did not enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, probably <laughs> probably what was representative of that was the fact that I, I did do that Big Brother show Yeah. Um, 
because they asked me to do that whilst I was at law school. Uh, and I think if I'm honest, if I was genuinely, genuinely wanting to do a law, uh, have a career in law at that time, yeah, I probably wouldn't have taken the risk that Big Brother brought. Yeah. Um, luckily for me, you know, it was a great experience. Um, I may be remembered for things that I want to forget. Um, <laughs> but equally, I was 20 years old and, you know, we all, yeah. we all have fun when you're that young and yeah. single and what have you. But, but equally, it did with hindsight give me so many, um, experiences and transferable skills and mm-hmm. without sounding too deep it actually did give me a lot of time to reflect and really think about what I wanted to do yeah um it made me realize who was important in my life etc so yeah after that experience I then not only had that um learning to take with me but I also had an opportunity to dare I say have a glimpse into what it was like to be famous that's all I can say you know yeah. I had a very small glimpse into what it must be like to be like the Brad Pitts of this world. Not not looking, but like, you know, that it was just amazing. You know, it was really fast way of living, but but awesome. You know, it was down in London, I was partying, I was I was I was on the front of OK magazine, as you do. I was had a radio show. Um obviously you got the face of the radio and all that, that's the joke. Um but yeah the experiences that, that brought me were also so diversified and different that actually I probably just added to that whole that confusion of, of what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, three years having lived off Big Brother, for want of a better word, and uh, being exposed to all those brilliant experiences and opportunities. Yeah. I did go back into law. Um, I did think it was the right thing to do. Um, yeah. It gives you a little bit of kudos, I suppose, to be a lawyer, you know. And I thought, well, why not? At that stage, I'd done a degree. I'd done my law school. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, there was nothing else really for me to do. So off the back of that, again, I was, I'm, you know, I'm very fortunate to have worked for the firms that I did. Um, but it, but it wasn't the way I wanted to live. Um, money wise, it was great. Yeah. It did afford me a nice living. Yeah. Uh, and that was difficult to give up. Um, but equally, I was going, literally going into work depressed. I don't know whether you've ever had that, but I have. Yeah. It's yeah. It's not good, it is just, it? It completely dims your light, doesn't it? And it, you just, um, you get Sunday dread and you're oh, kind yeah. of like, why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like, why am I doing this to myself? But it, yeah, it's, you end up getting on this like, um, almost like this just monotonous yeah. wheel. Yeah. It was, and I, and I found I was there for too long. So I had to make a decision to do something. Yeah. I didn't know what that was mm-hmm. um, until I became a dad. And uh, you find the heart that you never thought you had. Yeah. Start crying at John Lewis adverts yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and I, st- I stumbled across this journey of this boy who was without getting, you know, depressed and depressive or depressing. This conversation, bless him. He, he had a brain tumor and he was, he was dying. Um, and he, oh, it was, it was an amazing kid. Um, he was called Harry Mosley mm-hmm. and he was, he was creating these celebrities, um, that, um, sorry, celebrities. He was creating these bracelets yeah. that celebrities were wearing, and he was he was selling them at supermarkets and what have you to, to raise money for for cancer. Wow. He knew he was dying, but he wanted to to make sure that no one else was going to go through that again. He was yeah. such a strong lad. Now, I, I never got got to meet him, meet him personally. Yeah, but I, I followed his story all the way to his death. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. I think he was only nine years old, ten years old, something like that. Um, I just felt like the need. I need to do something. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to his mum, who was still fundraising, albeit morning, of course. Yeah. Um, 
And I just said, look, I want, I want to help. Um, I was into my golf. I thought I'd do a bit, little bit of a golf event or what have you. Yeah. And that just literally sort of, um, snowballed into, you know, a sellout, a black tie event at the ICC. Thousand wow. people attended. We raised over a hundred thousand pounds. Um, and that legacy remains that it was the Harry Mosey charity ball that I and my friend Tim Andrews set up. Yeah. And that's still going despite us not being part of the charity anymore. Um, but, but that journey led on to so many things. You know, I mentioned Tim there. I was struggling at the time to do everything. Mm. Um, I was still working in law, coming home, trying to arrange this charity ball, do everything else. I was a young father. Yeah. Um, all that. Not so young father, had a young son. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, and it was just getting too much. So I reached out on Facebook for somebody to help me. Yeah. And Tim Andrews, who's now an MBA actually, we'll come on to that in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, he reached out and said, look, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a hand. So, and he did. He was, he was massively helpful. And me and him did a number of things for the, the Harry Mosley charity called, it's called Help Harry Help Others that raised hundreds of thousands of pounds. And it really gave me and him a real appetite for charity and fundraising. Yeah. I mean, we didn't make any money from that, no. but it was giving me more than a career in the, the law was. It was yeah. making me sleep easier at night. It made yeah. me feel better as a person. It gave me a real sort of desire to, to help. Now that obviously wasn't going to pay the bills. So through that, another opportunity came through my network. I met some really nice people. They said, why don't you come into digital, the digital space? Now I didn't really know much, much about it to be fair. Mm-hmm. And equally, I didn't really, I've never been technical. It was all, always in like a biz dev sort of role yeah. or capacity. Yeah. Uh, and that's went from there really. I've ended up owning my own business called Blake Seven, which merged with Lightbox about yeah. four years ago now. Uh, and Lightbox is, is doing really, really well. I'm very proud of what Lightbox does. Um, but yeah, off back to Tim Andrews, when me and him stopped being a trustee of the cancer charity, uh, we decided that at that stage, charity was, we'd done enough for, for a while and we were just yeah. going to concentrate on our businesses. Yeah. He's a successful business guy. He owns a company called Hollywood Monster, a big signage company. Yeah. Amongst other little bits and bobs. Um, and that's where Love Brum was born. Right. Me, him, and a chap called Dave McLean. And uh, we all met up in a local pub. Um, and about 12, 12 pints later, we'd uh, registered this domain, lovebrum.org.uk, with an idea of creating a, some sort of movement for a better Birmingham. Yeah. Um, I'd come back from London. Um, Tim's a massive Brummie. So is Dave. We were massively, like, almost fanatic around the city. Yeah. And about the city and quite angry when we saw things go to L- London and Manchester. Not mm-hmm. because we don't like the cities, but just because Birmingham, I feel, is brilliant. Yeah. You know, we've got brilliant talent, brilliant businesses. It is. I mean, look where we are today. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing. Uh, and a lot of hidden gem businesses which then led into this idea of actually what we should be doing is unearthing hidden gem charities and projects. Mm-hmm. Um, those projects that, you know, go out and do all the brilliant things that they're doing in Birmingham yeah. without the platform from which to sing and dance about those things. Yeah. So then, you know, probably after about a year of going out to the likes of Oxbridge and all the other people that we trusted to see whether there was something in Love Brum yeah. and us getting a resounding yes. Yeah. Love Brum has now, six years later, become, I would say, one of the leading charities in Birmingham. You know, sh- not only shining a light on all these brilliant projects and then funding these projects that are doing brilliant things in the city. Yeah. I mean, tangible outcome stuff, you know, like they're all generally volunteer-led projects making a real change. Mm-hmm. It's also connecting businesses with businesses, businesses with charities, 
business uh, like employees with volunteer uh, volunteering opportunities. And I think the whole movement of that better Birmingham that we initially wanted to create yeah. does now exist uh, because it's doing so many things to enable that conversation. Whilst also, I think, genuinely making sure that Brummies are prouder than we used to be, you mm-hmm. know, banging our chest, yeah, making sure that we're on the map. Um, and then, you know, I'm not saying creating other platforms that have done that, but certainly encouraging other platforms to do that. Um, you know, the likes of I Choose Birmingham, Independent Birmingham, you know, all these brilliant um, forums, uh, community groups, whatever it might be, that are shouting loudly about how good Birmingham is. Yeah. You know, I think it's, uh, yeah, it's just great to be part of that. Absolutely. I don't think Birmingham, you know, Birmingham is definitely doing it more than they've ever done before. Yeah, um, completely. Because I, th- I think in the UK, it's always been kind of a, either a London or a Manchester thing. And Birmingham always get used to get get them get missed a lot. Yeah, completely. Um, I mean, ben- we lost out to, and this is with the greatest respect. Cause I've been there, but we lost out to Hull. You know, yeah. in the city of culture, one year, you know, it's like it shouldn't happen. No, it really shouldn't. Uh, and 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 despite all that brilliant work by by our mayor, by our businesses, by our leaders, I still think the region is overlooked. I really do think that. I, mm-hmm. I still think we've got a long way to be next to the likes of Manchester. Yeah. Um, and I think that's because I do feel that we're still not as proud as we should be. Yeah. Uh, and I can't really put my finger on it more than that. I think Manchester are very good at talking about how good they are. I still think we need to improve in that area. Yeah, I think they're, from what I can tell as well, they're, they're very, they've been doing it for a long, uh, a longer period. Yeah. Um, and I think their community is a lot more joined together at the minute. Yeah. Um, but I think that's come with time. Yeah, completely. Yeah. I think Birmingham, that. Birmingham will get there. Um, I hope so, because uh, yeah. I still do see people like talent go off to L- London. And, I, and I've done that, so I can't, I can't deny them that neither. Yeah. And I also accept that London is the, you know, the, the epicenter of our economy. Yeah. Um, but because I'm a proud Brummie, you pro- probably picked that up in my dulcet tones. Um, <laughs> I still really want to just hand them a, a mug of tea every morning whilst they're making their commute going, you're going the wrong way, mate. Yeah. yeah stay here. <laughs> this is where we should be. Um, and again, you know, I'm not here to promote certain companies or anything, but I keep looking down at this awesome, I can't name the brand, but obviously Oxbridge. Yeah. We need to make sure that we are celebrating those hidden gem companies. Mm-hmm. Not many people would know about Oxbridge, you know, because they're not, well, they are a well-known brand in Birmingham. Um, but equally, Birmingham could potentially talk more about businesses like that to show how well they're doing, yeah. you know, because people looking in, whether it be for internal, external investment, whatever it might be, um, you know, not would naturally not see these sort of businesses that are growing so quickly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they see the gym sharks, of course, and they're absolutely brilliant. The lounge yeah. underwear, you know, absolutely awesome businesses. Yeah. But they're also backed up by brilliant businesses like this that are just going from strength to strength. Yeah. It's, it's businesses that are trying to make a change, yeah. um, like a change to support the community, I guess. And yeah. um, without without plugging ourselves too much on this podcast obviously that's what we're about is trying to support the community well i can i can second that you know yeah matt and yourself and all your team have always 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 supported love brum uh, and that's because it stands for a lot of the values that you um try and um stand for as well um i mean uh, there's not many businesses that i know in birmingham that support charities 
as much as Oxbridge do. So fair play to you. Cheers. Cheers. Um, bring it back to you. Um, so uh, when you kind of your school days, what what were they like? Do you feel like school helped you with your future or do you think do you think um it 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 was not until the, the kind of the the experiences yep. that you came across later in life that yep. helped you get to where you are now yeah um, and do you think schools today do you think they're letting us down or do you think they need to um, change or yeah i mean I, I don't know too much about the education system other than what i've seen around um universities schools that i'm recently looking at for my son Mm-hmm. Blake, um, what I, what I can see, and I'm sure you'd agree, is there's a massive, massive difference. Well, you might not agree as much as me because I'm a lot older than you. Um, <laughs> but when I was at school, there were there were no entrepreneurial courses or business uh, classes. It was you know the, the closest we got to business was IT, you know, yeah. um, and that was nothing more than word art and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I, I did a talk at um, Aston University the other day. And I literally walked into like 150 kids and they were in the entrepreneurial degree class or something. And, and literally there's no lectures. There's no filling in forms. There's no document, you know, essays to do. They literally just be, they're put into businesses. Like they, they form their own businesses from day one. And then they have the support from their lecturers and their tutors as to how they grow those businesses, wow. employ within those businesses, brand those businesses. Um, and literally I spoke to, as I said, about 150 students, and I'd say about 100 of them had their own business already. We're talking 19, 20, 21-year-olds. That's incredible. Um, it really is, and, I, and, it, and, it, and that is great to see. And, and you're seeing that now trickle down into primary school as well, secondary school. Um, I was talking to a couple of local schools recently about my son Blake, and and and, and they, they, they obviously understand and appreciate and respect that discipline education gives these children but i think there's also a better lean around the fact that not every kid is going to be a doctor not every child needs to be a lawyer yeah uh, and not every child needs to be a straight a student to succeed absolutely if anything my education with hindsight hamstrung me because i was on paper a clever kid so really that they just almost documented me into a a professional career you know Mm, it was either medicine or law um, when in fact they probably didn't spend much time with me to see if I had any sort of entrepreneurial flair. Although to be fair, I must admit, I can't blame my teachers back then because I was a real shy kid, really, really socially awkward. Um, no, really? you know, oh yeah, massively, yeah, massively. I was, I was like, no, I still do get really nervous about situations like this. I've really? Been, oh God, yeah, yeah, big time. I'm, wow. I'm, I'm probably the loudest in a, a networking event, but equally the most nerve, nervous. Um, and that's just something my, my dad told me. Well, it wasn't his fault, but um, I was that socially awkward as a kid. What what helped me was football, for one. I went to a real, like, great school, but quite rough around the edges because it was a football school. Yeah. So you had, like, proper lads, like, you know, yeah, real yeah. – many of them are still very close friends yeah. of mine. Um, so that helped me a little bit get out of my comfort zone. But what really enabled it was when I went to university – my dad said, right, right, son, you can be whoever you want now. And I went like full circle, sort of like, all right, mate. So I was almost like putting London, London accents on, like to be this like lad, you know, yeah. all right, girls sort of thing, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. just to try and get me in the room. Yeah. Uh, and that sort of has stayed with me. And it does help because I'm able to have 
the conversations that inside I'm like really panicky about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I suppose I can't blame my teachers for thinking I would be an entrepreneur back then because I was quite, you know, I'd be classed as a, as a geek for want of a better word. You know, I was in the library a lot. I was asking for extra homework. Um, but I think the teachers nowadays would see that intelligence or that commitment or that determination as mm-hmm. something special elsewhere potentially. You know, look how hard he works. Look how his work ethic, your kiddies punctuality and those skills are very transferable into being, you know, a, a money making, entre- change maker, entrepreneur, what, whatever we want to call them. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's very evident. I mean, I mean, for me, I would have never known until you've just said that you were a shy oh, yeah. kid at school yeah. um, because, you know, the PJ that I know is kind of like super confident. Yeah. Like has a lot of presence when they walk in, when you walk in the room, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So do you think that's kind of as well? Do you think some of the stuff, the experience that, cause, cause what, what's crazy is, is you've said that to me, but then you've kind of, you went into a situation where you're literally the limelight couldn't yeah. be more on you yeah. going into the likes of Big Brother. Yeah. Like that must have just yeah. been. Oh, well, I really struggled because I was playing this um, alpha male. And then when I was met with real alpha males, I became the complete opposite. So at times, I then almost had to make a decision. Some days I was completely quiet and you never saw me. Yeah. And then other days you saw me everything got all of me yeah uh, it was quite interesting because the best thing about big brother is the experience you have after it and that they show you all these sort of like charts almost like you know what you can imagine x x factor does now when they're they're marking up people's skills and attributes and expectations and and i was the favorite to win the show because they'd put every man's man so and i was well, what's that what does that mean he was like well you know you've got you could you could talk to the kids in the library or you could talk to the lads that are beating people up on the playground sort of thing because of the experience I had so yeah. young. Um, and I think, you know, with reflection, it, it, Big Brother did a lot more, to, you know, for me than people might think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do need to I do need to rein things in. I, I do think sometimes I can play the party boy too much. Yeah. You know, I, I probably already, I'm already thinking of my dad watching this, so, caning me for, for putting myself <laughs> down. I put myself down quite a bit, okay. my size, my, my head, you know, whatever yeah, it might be. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's just protecting myself from this position. It makes me feel a little bit bit safer when, in fact, if I was talking, which I do, I talk to a lot of young entrepreneurs and one of my, you know, main tips would be, you know, to always believe in yourself. You know, that's mm-hmm. the first thing you need to accept, you know, that, that you are good, that you can change people's lives or businesses um, because other people are, and if you don't, they will. Yeah. So yeah. So I guess I guess in a way that the message to 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 kind of young entrepreneurs that are probably watching this or or people that wanting to change their life and their career is that you know um, really clarifying what success looks like for them. Hundred um, percent. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You, sorry to talk no, over you, but on. yeah, hundred percent. I think. And it's not necessarily money. You know, mm-hmm. money does help. Don't get me wrong. It yeah. sort of gives you more options. But I think if you chase money, A, it never comes as quick as you think unless you get very lucky. Or I'm, at all. Yeah, or at all. Yeah. Yeah. Or at all. Um, and I think if you then constantly, um, wake up, you know, and that's your drive, 
well, then you're going to get disappointed because it's not going to come as quick as those friends that have, you know, leased the, that Lamborghini for the day on, on, on Instagram and all of a sudden, you know, it's like, yeah. oh, I want a Lambo, you know, I've been, I've been, I've had my business for, for a day, you know, why can't I have a Gallardo? Uh, you know, that will come guys. Trust me, that will come work hard. You know, that's, that's my first tip. It's not easy. You know, Ben Francis, you know, I can, can I, I can imagine. I've met him a couple of times. And well, he's not, I wouldn't say he's a friend, like, as in I know him like that, but yeah. I've, I've, I've met him. He, he's Jim Sharker, a big supporter of Love Brum. Yeah. So thank you if you're listening. Um, <laughs> he still had to work hard. You know, it's not just his click to fingers and, you know, the likes of Paul and Steve have got around him and he's made a gazillion pounds. Yeah. You know, he's, obviously he's a switched on guy and the team around him are super switched on. Yeah. But he still had to work hard. Mm. He was still sewing labels into the back of a, you know, his t-shirts whilst working at Pizza Hut or whatever it might, whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, so I think the 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 access that these kids do have to information can sometimes burden them because they do think that you can get rich very quickly and Overnight. very easily. Yeah. yeah, it's one of the worst things I see a lot of online is um, these gurus that claim that they can, you know get rich overnight sort of schemes and yeah. and um it's madness really because they don't understand the level of work and commitment and the the graft yeah you know and the blood sweat and tears you have to do daily yeah, yeah. to get to yeah. those levels yeah and if you're doing that whilst you know what your happiness or your success looks like i.e happiness to me is pl- not me personally but you know if it's playing golf twice a week if it's going to be able to spend time with your mom more often and that brings you that happiness and success whilst you're grafting, live with it. Because yeah. how cool is that? You know, you imagine nine to five, you can't take your mom out on a Wednesday for a, for a glass of wine or a bite to eat. But if you can do that whilst you're making a living and you're learning and you're, you know, you're meeting new people and you're taking wise sort of making wise choices. Yeah. That, that's not that always that easy. Um, well, ex- appreciate that. And then the other stuff will follow. 100%. I think that one of the things that um, is really important to always understand as well is that, which I've always been told uh, by my parents, is that find something that you really love and that you're passionate about and then follow that. And then if you so happen to be making it be able to make money from that and yeah. be able to make a living from it yeah. then you're never going to work a day in your life because you're yeah. always going to yeah. it's never going to well, feel like work great advice you know great advice and uh you know i think always look at things that you know giving back for me is, is really important you know matt and stacy at oxbridge and you and your, uh, your team yeah. you're constantly giving back um i think to me that's really important you know i think that you get so much from that um if, if you're doing it for something else I, I, I don't it's not authentic but if you are authentically involved and invested in making people happier or if you're able to yeah um yeah that that sort of feeling of self-worth it, it just it just has a knock-on effect on everything it's like going to the gym yeah you know i was just talking to you earlier about putting myself down but genuinely i haven't been to the gym for a while you can probably tell right me neither yeah, it's one of those yeah <laughs> but you never go to the gym and finish that thinking, oh, I feel flat, I feel rubbish. It's always a great feeling, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And if you can grab onto something that gives you that feeling, um, you know, stick with it because all the other stuff, as I said, just starts falling into place. It really does. Yeah. Um, Social media, you know, try and think about how you use that effectively. Um, Is it for, are you, do you want to be informed? Do you want to be educated? 
or do you want to scroll? You know, if, if it's the latter, I've lost hours and hours doing that. Hours. Yeah. Where I could have learned so much more through social media. It's a dangerous game, isn't it? It's one of those that you literally, you can get lost in. Completely. Yeah, completely. One minute you're listening to a podcast by Stephen Barley and the next you're looking at a tiger eating a shark. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> and you're probably spending more time on, on the latter, aren't you? You know, sorry, Stephen. <laughs> But, you know, um, yeah. but yeah, it's, it's bizarre. Social media is very powerful. Just try and try and make sure you're using it in the right way. Absolutely. What do you think um, is the best motivational advice you could give to somebody that's maybe in a position where they're maybe stuck in the same routine and um, they want to change, but they might be afraid to yeah. um and they might be afraid to take that leap and have faith and follow their dreams what, mm. what would your motivational advice be um <clears throat> i think it would just ask people for help you know just talk to people that you know I, going back to social media briefly i think people like that who have questions of certain people would be surprised about how often they'd get responses from those people that they didn't think they'd get responses from i.e if someone wants to go into I build out an, an ed platform or ed tech company and he looks at Matt Jones and he thinks, oh, I'd love to be like Matt. I, I wouldn't know what to do though. Honestly, if you sent him a LinkedIn, Matt would probably reply. Yeah. Stacey would as well, you know. So, and, and, I, and, and I just think sometimes where, where I was, where I remember I didn't want to be a lawyer and I wanted to do something else. I used to ask all the people that inspired me for help, you know, what would you do? You know, how did you do it? Um, Rob Pollard, you know, my, my now business partner, one of my favorite people in the world. And I got around him and, you know, we, we used to ask each other advice, you know, what would you do? Got, got close that way. And, yeah. and out of that came a respect. Out of that came a trust. Out of that came the opportunity for my business to merge with his. And now we're both better off for it because yeah. we're, we're together rather than playing silos. I mean, if I hadn't got Lightbox and Rob and all my team, uh, when lockdown hit and it was me and I had a small team at Blake Seven, mm-hmm. I genuinely don't think I would have got it, got through it as easy as, well, I didn't think it wasn't easy, but yeah. as well as I, as I did, it was still a struggle, but yeah, you know, so yeah, I think definitely don't jump, uh, into something without making, you know, a real conscious decision around, you know, if you've got bills to pay, you know, make sure, I mean, Rob Pollard actually, he was, he was working about 50, he set Lightbox up 15 years ago. Um, and he had this dilemma. He was working as a product engineer or something, uh, a designer, and he desperately wanted to go and set his own business up. So he just worked as hard as he could to save three months salary for what, for one of a better word. Yeah. So he knew then he'd have a good go at something for three months. So it's not exactly rocket science, but it gave him that sort of, um, cushion or safety blanket, whatever it might be to make sure, right, the next three months, I'm going to be able to eat. I'm going to be able to have a roof over my head. Yeah. I'm going to be able to pay my bills. I'm going to be able to give this light box thing an absolute go. 15 years later, yeah, he's doing all right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so be, be sensible, but also follow your dreams. If that, if they go together, I don't know. No, perfect. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Um, um, I, I want to ask you a few other questions now, just in terms of um, kind of the overcoming things like failure and and um, like for obviously from a motivational point of view, we move on to kind of what happens when that feeling of when you've tried to attempt something and then you approach failure and you, you fail at something. And how do you 
how would you kind of, what advice would you give um, to kind of know how to pick yourself back up again and yeah. how to deal with failure? What would your advice be on how to deal with It's interesting, with isn't it? I think um, I've, I've failed. I've definitely failed. Um, I had a few businesses whilst I was still thinking about what to do from wedding videos to development golf tours, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever it might be. Yeah. And that was three people that come to me to help commercialize their business and all this sort of stuff. And I thought it was the next best thing. Yeah. Um, but they did give me lessons. Um, but, and hindsight's a wonderful thing, but what, what I would say to someone that fails as long as, well, whatever failure looks like, I guarantee that when they're successful, they will probably post a social media post about all those other people that have failed. You see them all the time. Henry Ford failed a million times. Yeah. Walt Disney was, you know, failed 400 million times until he failed. You know what I mean? So yeah. appreciate and remember that we're only humans. We always make mistakes. You'll, you'll, I've probably made three today. I don't know what they are, but if I sit down tonight, I think, oh, I shouldn't have probably had chips with the meal or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I just realized as a, as a learn, you know, uh, you know, there's a guy called Andy Dawson, Curium Solutions. He's quite big on LinkedIn, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said to me, they're not failures. They're not mistakes. They're learns. And that's in his business. He, he that's, that's their narrative. Yeah. So they'll, they'll articulate hardship, financial, um, downturn, whatever as a, as a learn. And, and then how do you take advantage of that learn? Um, you know, I, I don't wish anyone unwell um and i hope these failures aren't that they're losing houses and all that sort of stuff but yeah. even if you do yeah. there's a learn something's triggered that failure and how do you put that right moving forwards absolutely it, it's 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 not the most inspiring of advices but genuinely i just try and remember that everyone lear- uh, learns because we fail yeah uh, and we are only human 100 percent I'm going to bring it back a little bit now to Big Brother. Okay, thought you would. Um, so yeah, because <laughs> um, I'm sure that's what everybody everybody's dying to know, like the <laughs> yeah. nitty gritty of yeah. exactly what happened there. Okay, I mean, obviously, that must have been such an insane experience, right? Like, yeah. like, talk me through it. How how does it even? Oh. How did it even work? I mean, it. Uh, does, it's bit big, I don't think Big Brother's running anymore. No, it's but not. It's like, not. But so yeah, when 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 I did it, I was fortunate, and I use that word not lightly because I, I genuinely do think I was fortunate to do it at the time that I did. Yeah. Um, it was Big Brother three, so it was three years in. It was huge, like yeah. absolutely huge, but it was still a social experiment. Like, um, you'll see. Well, my opinion is that a lot of these reality TV shows now, people are doing it for you know, for the million followers on Instagram. Yeah. And I probably would have got a million followers on Instagram if social media was about, because I certainly had a million votes to leave the show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's genuine, by the way. Um, but yeah, I think it was still, you know, I wouldn't have got into the Love Islands of this world, you know, <laughs> for many reasons. Um, so yeah, I was certainly going to play a part within that social experiment. Uh, and that was evident through how many, how long it took me to get in on the show. It was like 13 stages wow. from like, you know, psychometric testing to interviews with my friends to, oh, I mean, I was going down to London every Wednesday. I was so lucky because long story cut short, my best friend, Liam, who's also very successful. A lot of people can learn from him because he's failed a lot. And now he owns two McLarens, you know, he's doing all right. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, great guy. Um, 
his mum was a massive fan of Big Brother, like avid, like kept spreadsheets of who voted who. And uh, literally, uh, she applied on my behalf almost, you know, so yeah. I had an application form come through. I filled it in, uh, did my video. I had to do a video at that time as to why I wanted to go on Big Brother. I joked about I wanted to snog Natalie and Brulia and go to the Met Bar and all that sort of stuff, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and after all these stages, um, mostly Wednesday nights and, and on or Wednesday days and on Wednesday I had law school off. So it was perfect for me. They'd take me down to London, um, and do X, Y, and Z. It was a really good experience, really good fun. And then when they asked me to do it and uh, according to the book that was released, I was the first guy they asked to, to, to join the, the crew. Cause you get like a note saying, you're either going to be a reserve or in the house. Right. Uh, and literally you're going to be coming into the house if you're successful within a week. So you have to like, you know, I had to phone law school to see if they were right. I was joining a big firm in London. And I said, look, you know, I'm going on Big Brother. What do you think? And they were like, fine. Like, you know, you're not a lawyer yet. You know, you're not governed by all the professional conduct rules. Just go and have fun. Yeah. Um, I was nervous. Um, but look, um, Big Brother allowed you three sort of opportunities to hear news. One of them I decided was any death in the family I wanted to know about. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, I can't remember the other one, but but one was definitely if it's going to affect my career, I wanted that law firm or any law society to give them a call and say, get him out. Yeah. Now I had none of those calls, so I was very lucky. So yeah. I just cracked on and enjoyed it. But yeah, it was, it was amazing. Apparently 150,000 people applied and I got in. Whether that's a good or a bad thing, I don't know, because if they were looking for a nice guy, brilliant. If they were looking for a bit of a, a div, well then, not so brilliant. Yeah. But yeah, I, you know, I, I had a great time. Met some brilliant people who I'm friends with now. We've gone on to do some amazing things. Mm-hmm. Um, did a few things in the house I probably shouldn't have. You know, I made my mom cry when I when I was evicted. One of the things that will stick with me forever. Um, but mom and dad are very supportive, very open. Um, you know, I was I was in the car with my dad when the producer of Endemol at the time, who's now head of Sky Arts, Phil Edgar Jones, lovely guy, phoned me to ask me to do it. And my dad was just like, you know, don't ever have a what if moment, you know, just do it. Just, you know, and I'm so glad he said that to me because if I hadn't, I would have had that what if moment forever. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Mm. When you were in the, <clears throat> when you were, you know, that whole thing where they kind of walk you. Yeah. Um, you walk out and That's there's right, all yeah. that crowd. Yeah. And you speak to Davina and then they take you in. Yeah. And then you walk into the house. Yeah. How, how, what was going through your head at that point? How, how did um, you feel? Like, I'm not sure. If I'm completely honest, it was a massive blur. Yeah. Um, Jade, bless her, rest in peace. What, what a yeah. lovely lady she was. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she had apparently alerted the press that she was going in. So we had to go down to this, um, hotel for three days. This chaperone was getting all my food and we had to turn our phones off. So as it got close to me going in, every time I turned it on for an hour, um, the messages were getting even weirder and weirder. <laughs> so during that time, there was all this subliminal advertising that was going out with my silhouette, PJ Birmingham, all up on billboards. So everyone was like, all right, mate, you're going on Big Brother. And I couldn't reply or tell them. Um, so when I was walking into the house, it was so bizarre because I just didn't know what to experience. I, was, I couldn't tell many people. Um, I saw my mom and dad. I'm, we're, I'm, we're a big, close family, and I'm, yeah. that made me quite upset. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and all of a sudden, I was in this house, and I remember this smell. The smells that evoke so many memories. One of them being when I first went to school, and this smell that the Big Brother house smells of, I'll never forget. And when I smell it, I think it's lavender. 
it just evokes so many good feelings. Yeah. But I saw a guy that I'd done my first interview with, like Lee. I was like, all right, mate. Um, so, and a few other people had met others during their journey. Yeah. So yeah, it was just, it was just madness, you know, and, and literally within a heartbeat, you forget that the cameras are there. Oh, literally, you know, they're all, they're, they're present. You, know, yeah, you can yeah. see them. And after about 10 minutes, you know, I, at the time I didn't, I always went commando. I pulled my shorts, <laughs> uh, tra- jeans down to run into the pool. And obviously I completely forgot I had nothing on. Yeah. 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 Uh, I was, I was on my own. Thank yeah, God. Yeah. But the, the camera was quickly, you know, um, so yeah, it, it was a bizarre experience. Very surreal, but equally very real. Yeah, you know, it was, I'm, I'm I'm privileged to have done it. I think definitely because I, I obviously I've always I always thought that um, watching because um, I, I I was watching them way back when as well, um, and I always thought that I always thought to myself, do they do they know that like are they consciously like aware that the cameras are constantly on them no like yeah you do i mean there were times when because say the 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 rules or the um the advice you get when you go in before you go in say look if you want to do anything obvious and i won't say what that is but you know sex or Mm -hmm. whatever else it might be Yeah, yeah yeah the more obvious you do it the less we can show Right. So, you know, be quite liberal in, in your actions if, if you really need to. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I can't really frame what I'm trying to say very yeah, well, yeah. but you know, um, you know, if you go to the toilet, you know, be open because we're not going to film. We will film that. You're always on. Mm-hmm. So, um, during, during your time, everyone has one camera on them all the time. So if they'll catch me snoring, they'll catch me blowing off, they'll catch right. me saying that I love you or yeah. whatever it might be. So yeah. they're never going to miss anything. But then you completely forget that's happening. Right. So weird. You press yourself up the window and you'll see a guy with a camera. Oh, my word. <laughs> um, so, yeah, as I said, like there's moments of absolute, it's like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. And then more moments of quite normality, to be fair. Wow. You know, the first 10 days, imagine me and you spending some time in a house on our own. First 10 days, we, we could talk forever, you know, family, friends, yeah. loves, uh, whatever it might be, sport. But what, what when you are doing that for a certain period of time and the stimulus from outside is stopped. So you can't talk about the, the recent Birmingham City match or yep. EastEnders, wherever it might be. You run out of things to say. So that's when arguments start. That's when fatigue sets in. That's when self-reflection starts. And that's when the journey became very difficult because you, you felt very isolated. Yeah. The England, England were playing in the World Cup at the time. And I purposely used to sit in the garden just desperately hoping someone would like shout over the result. Um, <laughs> So yeah, it was just really, really surreal. When you come out of the show, you actually realise how close Alstree Studios is to a housing estate. Because um, I used to get up, I can't sleep very well at the best of times. And me and my mate at the time, Spencer, we used to get up in the morning, cut the eggs, whatever it might be. Yeah. And we'd always have this one guy clearly going to work. He'd, he'd wake up. He used to be on live at the t- at that time, Big Brother. Yeah. And if he swore or said something, you know, inappropriate, they'd get the birds tweeting or the chickens yeah. or whatever. And this guy used to every morning, PJ, yet. Beep, you know, yeah. like just for a laugh, you could imagine him telling his mates at work, yeah, yeah, Alstree Studios, like in my back garden, I used to, I'd just have a go at PJ every morning. Um, so when you come out of it, you realise actually you're in in the throes of normal normal life yeah. whilst you're living this very surreal one. 
but yeah, as I said, I was very, very lucky. I'm still good friends with Alison Hammond. You know, she's going from strength to strength. Yeah. Brilliant lady. And I think one of the reasons why she's so brilliant is because she's been so true to herself. She's so exactly the same person I ever met. Kate Lawler, she's very successful. Yeah. Johnny. Yeah. So, so I've got some really good friends out of it. Really good friends. Um, and that above everything else is really important to me. You know, I made I made a, a decent amount of money that, that I didn't I didn't use wisely, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was young, and you know, I did. I've got certainly I've certainly got some stories to tell the grandkids. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Um, and what was what was it like, kind of, once you came out of out of that, and you were then because it doesn't just end there when you come out mm. of the house, does it? There's so much, um, so much kind of press. Yeah. Um, that you that you're having to be involved with. Yes. Yeah. What was that like? Mental. <clears throat> you know, I went in PJ, came out PJ, but then everyone knew me. Every, their people had ideas of about me. Yeah. Um, I was very lucky. Like my experience after the house was, I say I'd say out of a hundred, like ninety nine points. You know, it was it was amazing compared to some of the of the people that you know people. I was at dinner with one guy. Who, you know, someone had tried to punch him and. Gosh. Some people was spat at and all that sort of stuff. Mine no was, way. I was very fortunate. Everyone was really nice to me. Yeah. But yeah, you're expected to live in this world that, you know, people expect you to know and you don't. Yeah. And um, people come and ask me for my autograph like all the time. People queuing up to just talk to me, me being on the front of this magazine, the front of that magazine, going to this event, going to that event. It was crazy. Um, but equally, we, you know, we had a decent amount of support. The, 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 the show supports you for a period of time. They set you up with an agent and all that. Right. Um, it's bizarre even saying that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was amazing. You know, um, you know, I had some good friends that stuck with me. Um, I'd, I thought I had some good friends that didn't so much, you know, mm. I think whether that's jealousy or not, I don't know. Right. But yeah, it was just, uh, it was just crazy. As I said, I've probably got a long list of things I could tell you that would sound really bizarre, but equally yeah. they happened. Um, yeah. So it was, it, it was amazing. It was amazing. You, you see a lot of good people in people and you see a lot of bad in people in that sort of world. Yeah. Um, and I can only imagine how difficult that is for the likes of the celebrities and the um, reality TV stars of today. Yeah. I didn't have people cursing me on Instagram. Yeah. Um, I didn't have people telling me what their opinions were for no reason on Twitter. Gosh, so yeah. I was very fortunate in that regard. Um, you know, and part of me thinks, well, I wonder what it's like to have a million followers and get paid to brush my teeth, you know, <laughs> you know, with all, with all the brands. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, what, what, what's it like to having a lady called Suzanne from Newcastle telling, her, telling me how much she hates me? Do you know what I mean? I'm, yeah. I don't know a Susan from Newcastle, by no. the way, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I, um, I get it. But yeah, so in that regard, I got everything I think I wanted out of a, an experience like that. I came out of it unscathed to a point. I had a bit of a kiss in, in there with a the lady. I, I did what most people do at a Christmas party, but in front of 15 million people. <laughs> you know, it's one of them, yeah? <laughs> um, Love and, it. and I got through that, uh, apart from my mum being upset and yeah. my dad making sure, be a gentleman, be a gentleman, before yeah. Davina McCall was interviewing me. Yeah, um, Yeah, but as, as I said, I got everything out of the experience I wanted and I think more because I didn't get the experience that people are getting now. Yeah, fair enough, they're getting millions of pounds and all that sort of stuff. But mm-hmm. that certainly wouldn't have been the direction I wanted to go in. Yeah. yeah my, my intention was to go, you know, uh, Big Brother was going to finish in the May or whatever it might be. I had a job starting in September. It was always my intention, even, even if I won the show, I was going to be a lawyer yeah. and start in September. That didn't work out. Yeah. I had so many opportunities, it was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But the law, law firm at the time was really understanding. They said, look, just go and 
have a sabbatical, do what you need to do, enjoy it. I mean, they didn't give me another two years off when I asked for it. So I had to leave that one where it was. But yeah, yeah, as I said, I had three years of of fun, living a life that was, yeah, was, was new to me. Brilliant. Very much so. You know, we're, we're a working class family. My dad did very, very well towards the end of his career and retired a lot earlier than most. Yeah. Um, but we're working class, you know, but I lived, I was living a lifestyle of someone that was rich and famous. Yeah. You know, I wasn't rich and famous, no. but I was certainly living the lifestyle of that. Yeah. Um, and it was, yeah, as I said, it was um, eye opening. You can tell that you're very close to your family um, yeah. and you, you've got obviously a very close knit family like and you've mentioned your mum and dad a few times obviously yeah. they're very important to you yeah um what is it that you would say that your mum or your dad or both of them yeah have taught you that has kind of shaped who you are today yeah. what's the um, one bit of advice well we've got like a an irish blood um and they are always family first you know mm-hmm. um my mum and dad's advice to me i'm a sister i'm a brother um they've always brought us up to, to just be nice people you know genuinely try and be nice you know watch your p's and q's we were catholics you know so yeah. you know make sure that you don't swear i mean sorry mom i do swear sometimes but <laughs> you know and be honest hard-working nice people and yeah. that sounds a bit corny no. but i do try and live to that advice as much as i can um my dad's my dad's advice which was his dad's advice never got to meet any of my grandparents unfortunately um but was um use this son not this now i'm not too sure that applies as much now but yeah that always made me think that you know from a strategic point of view sometimes you know talking is better than fighting yeah you know thinking is better than writing you know whatever it might be that's not necessarily true yeah but yeah i mean apart from that advice it was always be just be nice, or I'll give you a clip around the air, and that, yeah. that's worked really well. I like to see my brother's really successful, but he's a detective, inspector, so I can't keep up. He's winning all these awards and stuff. My nice. sister's a teacher. Cool. You know, they've all got lovely families. You yeah. know, so yeah, and mum and dad are still knocking about, just lovely. Well, I know this sounds really morbid, but I know, and I don't want this to happen, but it will, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. When mum and dad go, I can guarantee they'll have the whole community there supporting them. That, my dad used to be the football manager as a, as a kid. Mum used to have all my mates used to go around my house when I went in there. You just Marianne. you know walk in, open the fridge. All right, Marianne, how are you? Get the milk. Um, that sort of like you know come in. There's always food on the table for yeah. you if you need it. You know she put friends up in her house when they needed it. You know, mm. um, and that, yeah, they've got they're real good standing people in, in our community, and uh, yeah, they're very very much loved. And I think that hopefully came through to me and my brother and sister. That's amazing. Yeah, That's I'm very really lucky. Amazing. I'm yeah, very lucky. 100%. A lot of my mates, say the majority of my mates, I've come from a, a broken family, not necessarily yeah. a bad, you know, just uh, their yeah. parents are divorced and all that sort of stuff. Uh-huh. And yeah, mine didn't. Mum may have wanted to a few times, but <laughs> she, she didn't get around to it. <laughs> oh, gosh, it sounds like my mum and dad. Um, yeah. yeah, they... they, they um, they've got a relationship where they're they they'll argue a lot yeah but they've been together for like 48 years yeah yeah and um yeah um yeah i think if you don't argue you've got you've, you've lost something something's not right yeah, yeah. there's got to be energy around there to, to still want to fight you know um, 100%. no so yeah it's, well you're very lucky too then yeah, yeah absolutely it's 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 funny actually because I, I i see there's a lot of resemblance between um you know irish families and 
Jamaican West Indian families because obviously my 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 dad's Jamaican. Yeah. And um what you've just said is very kind of res- resonates with me in terms of my dad's yeah parents yeah. in terms of the way they were. Yeah. Um you know um well there's a big Jamaican community in Birmingham isn't there? Yeah. So and my dad was around that community a lot as a kid Jamaican Irish community it was it it, you'd never think there was that two would merge as well as it did. You know, yeah. they're very family oriented, you know, always got the food on the go. Absolutely. Love, the, love a good bit of reggae and yeah. music and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. You show me every, you show me a Birmingham social club without not playing Bob Marley or UB40, that exactly. sort of stuff. You know, it's all like Jamaican, <laughs> like coolness. It is. Uh, and that is born out of family values, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, like I, I've got some my best memories with like Jamaican families because we had Jamaican families play for our local football team. Yeah. Goat curry, jerk chicken, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah. I know it all comes back to food, doesn't it? It, it, it does, though, but, but that, that's family, what, isn't it? Yeah, that's what it is. You, you break bread, don't you? Yeah. You, know, you open up, you, you, yeah. you laugh together, you cry together. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that, yeah, I can certainly see that. Yeah, 100%. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you oh, on, PJ, awesome. seriously. It's no, been amazing. So thank you so much for coming on the show. No, you're more than welcome. Thank um, you for inviting me. I've really enjoyed it. So don't forget, guys, um, to hit the like and subscribe button uh, before you leave us. Um, obviously, there's going to be loads more content our way, uh, coming your way. And so stay tuned for that. And um, yeah, hope you've enjoyed this podcast like we have. We've definitely enjoyed it. So thanks so much, PJ. No, you're welcome, mate. Really yeah. enjoyed it. Thank you. Cheers.